Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Monday night edition of the pod. A lot of news that has piled up here. We're going to get to that. And then something that Danny suggested doing that we didn't have time for last week is to talk about which players have the most money on the line this season in terms of just how the variability of their performance is going to affect how much they get. And I think it, you could look at that almost as the free agents who maybe have the most uncertainty in their performance. Although, of course, the market will and what position they play will help determine that as well but let's get started with some news where would you like to begin i think we have to begin in la and there are a couple of of elements here that are on the court and off the court stuff i think we'll start briefly with the off the court elements there is a series of reporting on i believe that was friday about a meeting that occurred between luke walton and magic johnson and magic expressing frustration that the lakers didn't run more of an offensive system some of you probably read, I went on a, a pretty sizable Twitter rant about it at, at the time. And the basic genesis of it was when you have LeBron James, LeBron is the system. So I, I actually ag- agree with part of it that the Lakers, to me, in terms of if, if your goal is running a system, the Lakers don't necessarily do a ton of that. But that's because LeBron James is the system. And you the what works around him is very different than what works around other players. And that's what actually really concerned me about this was that we have a pretty sizable sample now of the teams trying different things around LeBron James. He has changed teams now three times and certain things work, certain things don't. And when you look at who the Lakers brought in after LeBron, it reminded me of the same thing that basically what they envisioned, the guys they brought in didn't seem like LeBron James players. Now that might not be Magic and Plika's fault. We don't know that because it could be LeBron said, I want to play with these guys. KCP seems like the most likely with that considering the clutch yeah. thing. But that that's the, the, most of this doesn't really, doesn't really bother me too much. I mean, coaches and GMs talk about feelings and Magic with his experience and success as a player has probably more pronounced feelings on this than most general managers do. But the process elements of it are a little bit concerning to me because they reflect on what I feel were the mistakes they made in later July than the 1st of July. Yeah, certainly you would have to say that the roster was quite flawed, especially the lack of a backup center, which they've tried to address, at least in part. We'll get to that in a second. The lack of shooting, maybe too many guys who need the ball in their hands. We've discussed these ad nauseum. I completely disagree with Magic as far as the offensive system. Number one, the fact that they have run as much as they have is actually, that is a system. Getting players to take the ball out of the net and push it up as fast as you can. Getting guys to commit to running. Getting LeBron, who's generally played pretty slowly in his career, to run. That is a system. That is something that is difficult to do, to get players to play this way. You know, They are at the top of the league in offensive pace. We went through those numbers on the 15 and 60 last week about how they're playing so much faster than everyone else. And for a team that has a lot of athletic guys, a lot of finishers a lot of guys who can get to the rim as opposed to a lot of guys who can space the floor and provide room to work in the half court running makes the absolute most sense then i also think they've done a really nice job of putting their playmakers including lebron at the elbow running screens for them getting plays to the rim i think luke has done an amazing job to get as much as he has out of javel mcgee and actually they've defended reasonably well with mcgee on the court it's when he goes to the bench and they had no traditional center at all that things really plummeted defensively so i think luke walton has actually done a a fine job here now i did not watch their debacle against the raptors that closely last night and i might change my opinion a little bit there i mean without Kawhi leonard to come out and just get smoked and trailed by 30 points in the first quarter 
order that's uh incredibly discouraging and i think we will find that good defensive teams are going to be able to stop these guys as well i mean they put up 10 points through nine minutes in the game because they just don't have the spacing and you can be kept out of transition especially if you're scoring on them at the other end uh or, or keep them out of transition i should say uh but i i did think it was pretty hilarious magic's quote to the la times before the game when that was the way they came out and started yeah it was and then the other part of it if that was the source of of magic's ire i mean their defense has well, been well, pretty can, awful can we it, was, read, it was also can we read the quote uh yes of yeah, course yeah. magic says uh i was trying to set you up for that but i guess i i failed uh Mag- i didn't have the quote oh, in front oh, of me he's he, magic the- said uh that luke could be safe for the rest of the season unless something drastic happens which it won't <laughs> and, then, and then they they come out not like an hour later and uh lay that egg that was pretty funny well, we can uh, actually, before we get into the other bigger piece of news, just quickly, because I know we'll forget, Mo Wagner is now available. Unfortunately for Mo Wagner, he now is not going to play as much because the Lakers are going to sign Tyson Chandler as soon as he clears waivers, reporting from, from Woj and from Shamstrania about that. And Chandler is an LA native, and I, I'm, I'm really happy for him that he's going to get that opportunity and to get the chance to be on a competitive team after these years in the wilderness. You know, he's had those two stints with the Mavericks, but other than that, I mean, it's been it's been some time since Tyson Chandler has been on really competitive teams. And maybe he hoped that Phoenix was going to be more than that. There were those ideas that he was signing and they were opening the door for LaMarcus Aldridge, who ended up going to San Antonio. And I really like the way that Kevin Pelton put this on, I guess it's called ESPN Plus now, uh, that Tyson Chandler isn't isn't a useful player for them and that is an important place to start with this the lakers have needed more of what big men can bring to the team setting capable screens protecting at the rim rebounding getting those elements from a tall human being is a positive for the lakers but then the other part was that if they feel that tyson chandler is that guy for the rest of the year meaning that they aren't going to make a subsequent change then i think this might be a little bit of a problem because while Tyson Chandler is talented he isn't really a playoff guy to me at this point and we have a reasonable expectation you and I will probably do buyout guys much later in the process but the expectation is not only will this be a strong buyout market but this will be a very strong center centric buyout market so if we're comparing Tyson Chandler to let's say Robin Lopez if they are using him as the reason to not get somebody like Robin Lopez should he get bought out then that becomes a negative so you get the positive of having Tyson Chandler starting let's say at the end of this week but you have the downside of when the games matter more not having a superior player out available and so I think this is a positive and then the other thing to mention with the Lakers is besides the whole him being a being a hometown guy and a veteran who is generally very popular in the locker rooms he has been in so there might be some downside risk of cutting him that the Lakers are kind of going to need to do this so it is a very good short-term move but there is this kind of it's not long-term downside it's more long-term opportunity cost i'll second all that i also think there's a possibility he's just completely cooked at this point i mean really if you look at his performance in phoenix you know the only thing i think you can say he's doing well is rebounding um and they could definitely use some defensive rebounding but you know maybe he'll have a little bit of a renaissance he was on bad teams you know blah blah but generally when it comes to player performance my philosophy is the simplest explanation of what i see on film is what i expect going forward instead of oh he'll be motivated now it's like all right maybe but the more likely explanation is what he put on film is what he is Uh, and you know i think he's too slow to get out into the floor the way he used to also you know the game has really changed in terms of you know not being able to just drop back at at the rim and pick and roll coverage uh i do think he can help them as a communicator defensively you know that's something that he's always excelled at you know he'll be a good force in the locker room although again you know you say that it's like you know phoenix has had like some great locker room the last three years like so you know i always think that that's a little bit that stuff is a little bit overrated it's like oh when you end up being a good team and having a good locker room it's like wow it's because we had these great vets and you know when those guys come into a bad situation and it stays bad you know you never hear about it so not to say he's a bad locker room guy just again you question the impact of like oh he's really going to change things so much uh 
but yeah i mean he's slow and then i think offensively he's a big minus you know he's not javel mcgee uh, offensively he really just can't get up those alley oops anymore he has zero touch around the rim he is a solid screen setter but you know they don't do a ton of pick and roll on this team so uh, i think uh he might be better than what they had uh but you know it's possible to me that this is just not going to work at all there's a reason he was available for what he was available for and that's why the opportunity cost thing is there is, is if they realize that they need to cut bait, will they do it? And they very well might. That's It's an open question. So the other component of this is the Phoenix Suns part. And so Sham Sharnia has the information that Chandler's giving up 2.1 million of the 13.5 that the Suns owe him. Not coincidentally, that's about the money that he will make as a Los Angeles Laker. And as Albert Namad pointed out really well, the timing on this is really unfortunate for Phoenix because of a few elements that they had to go through just a few weeks ago. So the Suns had to clear a roster spot, which meant that they they ended up deciding to cut Devon Reed. So that was one. But then the second part is they had already squeezed out their cap space. That was that they had actually done it twice because they had to clear some cap space by doing the Jared Dudley Darrell Arthur trade. And then that allowed them to get Rashawn Holmes. And then they were out again. And so then they had they when they got DeAnthony Melton, they got the draft rights to DeAnthony Melton from the Houston Rockets in that trade. They had to sign him. But since they didn't have cap space and then they were since they had been a cap team they only had the room exception they couldn't give him more than two years so if they had gotten Chandler to give up that 2.1 million before the season started they could have not only kept Reed but they could have gotten Melton on a three or four year deal assuming the sides could have come to an agreement yeah and subsequent reporting indicating that Chandler didn't take a buyout earlier because he just didn't have a team uh, to go to and now of course uh, he has with the Lakers uh we'll see I mean, if Mel- Melton may break out at the end of the season, he's going to have some chances, probably, with Phoenix's point guard situation. And this will also mean that Rashawn Holmes now is going to get plenty of playing time for the Suns. Uh, Chandler also, I mean, uh, worth noting, I-, I looked at this last week, so maybe it changed a little bit in the subsequent games. But when they didn't have Aiton on the floor, I mean, Chandler had like a negative 27 net rating, which, you know, in part was due to the players around him and bad luck and small sample size and all that. But, you know, they had not been effective when he was on the floor. Holmes is a solid offensive setter, at least, uh, and he's uh, not very good defensively. I'd say Aiton is probably actually better than him, frankly. Uh, so don't expect the Suns' defense to improve here with this move, but this makes sense because they invested a second round pick basically to take on Holmes he hadn't been playing and so now you can get a look at him he does have that minimum cap hold for next year so if they want to bring him back as the long-term backup for Aiton he'll finally get a chance now to play regularly for the first time in a couple years he actually one of those rare players who played a lot more his first and second year than he did in his third year as uh Joel Embiid got healthy uh where do you want to go next here let's go to Houston the news coming out on Monday morning that Jeff Bezdelic is returning to the Houston Rockets. He will be their defensive coordinator and will take back over the reins full time after Thanksgiving. We don't know the exact timeline. And some of the reporting from Woj is that he had he was resolving some family issues involved with the move. Um, and he has some other commitments that are preventing it from happening until around Thanksgiving. But seems like good news for the Rockets. We, it's always hard to attribute credit for success and failure to a, an individual coach, especially considering the personnel turnover. But having his voice there especially considering Mike D'Antoni has is pretty open about not prioritizing defense seems like a very good thing for the Rockets who have been simply awful defensively so far this year yeah I thought it was interesting some of the reporting that Tillman Fertitta uh was personally involved in trying to get him back that to me would indicate that they are paying him a little more money than he would have been making before uh eric gordon has missed two straight with an adductor or, or a groin issue uh he's ruled out pretty early uh, from the previous game so i'm guessing this could linger uh, another couple or few games at least but james harden is back james ennis is back that has helped them uh, a ton they did get healthy with two road wins over brooklyn and the bulls over the weekend at least to some degree here uh their rivals in Golden State, Sean Livingston, has now missed almost two weeks with a sore foot that he injured early in camp. Slater reported that he played in some old hyperdunks uh, during the preseason and started having some issues uh, after that. Uh, but the hope is that he can return at the end of the week. And then Demarcus Cousins has been doing some light full court, like four on four scrimmaging, not particularly competitive stuff with like assistant coaches uh, and whatnot. The grainy video at the Warriors practice facility. There's 
there's basically like a an area along the baseline of one of the courts where you're sequestered as the media and not allowed to leave uh that's why being on the road is so much better for a shooter onto a practice because you can just walk around the whole gym they don't have like a system where you're only allowed to go in one place and they bring all the people over to you instead you can just go and talk to people uh, on the road but in any event they're running this four on four and some of the video indicating that demarcus you know i'm sure he probably was getting a little winded as he was working up but you know it didn't look incredibly spry so far but it, obviously it's very early on in his recovery uh did you mention eric gordon i might have missed it because that's the other thing we should talk about with the rockets okay I'm, i missed that then we can jump on to the first actual time we've heard for isaiah thomas i say it's been this weird nebulous thing that we didn't hear anything and Woj in a tweet that was mostly talking about denver's success this year he mentioned that isaiah thomas should join the bench unit sometime in december it's good to have a timeline you know and it could definitely be worse than that monty morris has done pretty well in thomas's stead but if he can be anything close to healthy isaiah thomas that would be even better for the denver nuggets who are going to need bench offense you know they're now that wilson not not, not wilson chandler he's gone now that will barton is in the starting lineup and currently out so he could really really help them and i'm excited to see him play there eventually in dallas uh devin harris had been out since the first game of the season with the hamstring he went through practice it should be back the next couple of games uh, although whether he'll be in the rotation it'd be interesting to see they have a, a lot of guys who need to play already and then dirk uh seems unlikely that he'll even be back uh, this month so really too bad uh for him that it's taken so long to get back for, from this ankle injury and certainly the more time he misses the more it would seem to augur that you know this will in fact be his last season memphis who we're going to see tonight in person against Golden State. Uh, Omri Caspi had to exit uh, with knee soreness after scoring two points against Phoenix. But man, what a two points it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he pulled off a sham god on Josh Jackson that Durant apparently called vicious today, which is pretty good praise. And and uh, I can't remember who it was. Talk to God, Sham God gave it a four out of five, which is quite good for Omri Caspi. But yeah, knee soreness and Chandler Parsons is also out with knee soreness still, which is certainly unfortunate, though they have a lot of options on the perimeter, which is something that we both praised about their offseason. In Miami, James Johnson seemed like he was getting close. Uh, maybe that was just incorrect or misleading or i'm misremembering that but uh he hasn't made his debut yet uh it seemed like he'd been practicing and you know coming back from that hernia surgery i mean that is like he had that surgery in may like how is he not back yet like i've never heard of that kind of a surgery taking so long so you know that really worries me and then Deion waiters also you know still no indication that he's close coming off of uh, that foot issue uh oh we can return to minnesota with uh general soreness captaining the ship well not captaining on certain days <laughs> but jimmy butler yeah he didn't play as they got absolutely walloped by portland and yeah i mean that was just just a rough game for them overall and part of it was not having jimmy butler but another part of it was their point guard situation because jeff teague is still out with his knee issue and derrick rose did not play due to left ankle soreness so when you don't have your your best offensive wing and you don't have either of your two two highest used i'm not going to say yeah i mean rose has been better than tyus jones so far this year it's going to be hard to score reliably and they got absolutely waxed by portland and i mean we're just gonna have to see we talked a lot about jimmy butler's play here back when he did it the first time and we'll keep an eye on it i mean that's that's really all we can do yeah at this point so, so basically he's like is he just only playing in like high profile national games at this point i mean this soreness thing is obviously completely preposterous i mean he, he they've played like he's a, three games in the last week and like haven't been practicing at all i think so yeah he's he's a special attraction which is also unfortunate for minnesota because those are games that are probably against teams good enough that they might not beat them with him anyway <laughs> so like yeah he played against the warriors and they were actually pretty close in a lot of that game but then they ended up losing by i think it was like 15 or 16 and yeah so we'll we'll, we'll see where that goes moving forward we can jump to the team that whooped them in that game the portland trailblazers and uh, don't come back early from knee surgery kids adults whoever you are don't come back early from knee surgery yeah and early i mean when it's two weeks three weeks like harkless now has missed five straight uh doesn't really seem to have any kind of a timetable and this this is one of those things just the way it feels to me is 
all right, he's going to try and rest. He's going to try and rehab it. And But if it's been five straight, he's not seeing the improvement. You know, he, he it was having soreness all through camp. I mean, remember, this is supposed to be, you know, a small arthroscopic procedure. And, you know, in theory, he was healthy by the playoffs, although they even shut him down again. I think he came back for, I can't remember if it was game two or game three, and then he didn't play game four once it was clear that they're going to get swept. But man, uh, this seems like it's heading in the direction of like another uh, potential surgery if this doesn't resolve soon um you know it, it's always worrisome when a guy just like has swelling for no real uh you know diagnosable reason another one that i want to keep an eye on luke richard and Mute has missed the last five games due to knee soreness and he is not expected to play in their monday night game against the aforementioned minnesota timberwolves they have enough depth especially since gallinari is still healthy they have enough depth to survive it but Mute is an important like, part of their defensive identity and it'd be nice to see him around a little bit more so they're they're certainly missing him but probably not well definitely not as much as new orleans is missing alfred payton yeah Peyton there wasn't an indication that this was going to be a real long-term injury for him but he's missed uh, almost two weeks now that's perhaps been an underrated part in addition to AD missing time and not quite being himself uh, of how they've got on this five-game losing streak after starting 4-0 and he's hopefully going to be back within a week or so in San Antonio Rudy Gay just something to monitor here hopefully nothing Mike Reich indicated that Pop sort of alluded to the idea that this is more of a maintenance absence but gay did not play on sunday as they got waxed by the magic with right heel soreness and right heel soreness did cause him to miss 25 games last year and then donovan mitchell struggling with nagging injuries over the last week or so he uh, had to leave the game last week with hamstring tightness and then he suffered a left ankle sprain so he won't play tonight uh against the raptors which is really a shame that i was looking forward to that game but uh i mean the jazz they're zero and four at home and they could be looking at zero and five uh especially if Kawhi plays tonight let's move to atlanta john collins doesn't i mean he's still out for several more games has not returned to practice we talked yesterday in the 15 and 60 about how much they're missing him because they just do not have much of power forward and while i firmly believe that john collins is better as a five than a four they have nothing at the four so he would really really help them there and in brooklyn damari carroll is he had surgery on october 16th and we didn't really have a specific timetable and he's getting close to a return so that's definitely i mean it's good as long as they're not rushing him back and then favorite of the podcast travion graham has is dealing with a hamstring issue i believe they said he was going to be reevaluated in two months and he's making progress which when you consider that we're still early in that time frame that's what you want because they're there i mean solomon hill is a good example of just a, a, a nasty hamstring injury that basically keeps it out for most of a season so fortunately it looks for the nets and for graham like it's not going to be that kind of a hamstring issue yeah he's begun running uh already which uh doesn't mean his return is imminent but hopefully it won't end up being the two months john isaac another recurrence perhaps of an injury from last year where he missed so much time with that sprained right ankle uh he's gonna miss his second straight now with another right ankle injury supposedly said it wasn't as bad but let's keep an eye on this one and then tim hardaway had to leave new york's loss to the wizards last night with a back injury he said it felt like a nerve or something which is not good hard way it's uh, had a wonderful start to the season uh and then kevin knox has been upgraded at least to doubtful uh, for tonight for the knicks against the bulls so he's not going to play but you know maybe he could be back in the next week or so fizdale said he's got to get through a, a full five on five practice and they may have one of those on tuesday all right we got to get to our picks for who has the most money on the line but first i want to tell you about everlane which uh those clothes came just in time for my honeymoon which was awesome you could check out my personalized collection at everlane.com slash catspace and get free shipping on your first order I really liked Everlane's summer stuff, which it's not summer right now, but uh, maybe if you live in the Southern Hemisphere or you're going there, it, it could be helpful. But uh, that's the stuff that I got because I was going on this honeymoon to Bali in Japan. And I just thought that their quality was excellent. It was stuff for summer that was like pretty thin and cool, but not, you know, cheap and like flimsy. I really like all of their t-shirts. I thought that their shorts uh, fit really well also. And they really just have a lot of great essentials that are an important part of your wardrobe but they use great materials but they're not going to mark it up they tell you their real costs because they want you to know what you're paying for and why this transparency is really revolutionary in the clothing company they'll tell you where they get their materials they'll tell you about the ethical factories that they work with and the prices are 30 to 50 percent lower than traditional retailers because they are selling directly to us 
Once again, if you want to check out my personalized collection, go to everlane.com slash capspace and get that free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com slash capspace. Easy to remember slash capspace. We talk about it all the time in the program. Everlane.com slash capspace. Let them know that slash capspace that you came from us. All right. So the way I wanted to approach this is there seem to be really three categories of guys who can have a lot of money on the line the first is the young guys trying to establish themselves generally these are going to be restricted free agents who did not come to an agreement on an extension and if you're a restricted free agent in particular like you got to play really well and there's a lot of guys who come in their third season in the league going to their fourth season in the league if you're a lower round pick maybe you're reaching free agency a little bit earlier but they really have to a lot of times you haven't established yourself as a starter level player and that's why they didn't get an extension that paid them like a starter but some of these guys have the ability to play at a starter level and prove that they are at that level uh this season they do and something that i want to clarify before we really get going on this in terms of most money on the line the way that i thought about it is in terms of both dollars and years because in certain situations here not necessarily with the young guys as much because it's not as much of a risk to give a guy a restricted free agent a four-year deal but that really matters and then the well, maybe it is in some ways it is because in some because yeah. they haven't necessarily established Proven. that level of performance right you, you're in terms oh, of injury and performance decline there's not as much of a risk but maybe they just never get to be the player in some <laughs> ways you're they weren't that good in the yeah, first place yeah in some yeah. ways you're paying for expected improvement and so if these guys can actually get to the point where okay i have actually established that level as a starter type of player then uh that makes it a lot easier for teams to pay up yeah, and, and then the other thing I want to mention, because we're talking about the, the the peak of this, because a lot of the players that I have, my original list of like guys that have a, like that I thought and went through all the rosters have a lot of money on the line, that was 40 guys. But then one of the big ways that I called it was players that have a lot of real upside. Like if, if I don't see a meaningful chance that you can be like a $10 million a year plus player, you can certainly have a lot of money on the line, but you can't have as much as yeah. some of these other guys just because the volatility is there. And so one guy I want to give a, a brief honorable mention to, but this is exactly why he didn't make my list is Willie Colley Stein. Like I think Willie Colley Stein has a lot of volatility in his potential offers, but I don't see him being like a 15 or 20 million dollar a year guy in most circumstances. Maybe Vlade gives it to him because yeah. I don't know how to predict That's a, He actually was on but, my list, so I, I, I it's, okay, it's interesting. interesting yeah, so it. he was he was my last he was my last cut on this because I chose three guys, and so he was the last one I cut. Yeah, well, I, I think Colley Stein was as well as the Kings have played. Now I think we both expect them to regress some. I, I still would if I had to pick it I would say they're gonna finish with fewer than 30 wins a, on the season but if they show real progress and you know they certainly could finish with more than 30 wins and you know he's the starting center and he's considered a big part of that and they take some steps forward defensively the center market we're going to talk about this a, a ton here but of the teams that'll have more than the mid-level exception in cap space I count maybe five that will need a center and then maybe two more as question marks, one of them being Sacramento. So it seems more likely to me with Cauley Stein that a good season, and we've seen kind of bad teams who take a step forward, be like, oh man, like we can never get anyone in free agency. Like we got to retain our own. We finally have someone good. You end up maybe overpaying. Uh, So if he plays well this year, if he establishes himself as a starter, I could very easily see him just getting a solid offer, you know, for, I think he could get 15 million a year from the Kings, maybe even more than that. If they feel like he is, is the guy there uh, at center. I mean, part of his, part of it is going to be what his fit is with Bagley. Those two guys have not played that many minutes together so far. That's something that the Kings absolutely need to figure out. Uh, But yeah, they also need to figure out if Bagley's a five. I mean, because if Bagley's a five, then they can't pay Call you Stein. Uh <laughs> or shouldn't. Sorry, shouldn't. <laughs> yes. Not can't. They, I can't say the Kings can't do anything. They they gave Zach Levine I'm granted that contract is looking a lot better than we thought it was Dude, at the time. Yeah, I mean, the, but I mean they had Buddy they had Buddy Heald and Bogdanovich and yeah. why am I forgetting? I think they have a third guy. But um yeah, I mean that so that that's a challenge there. But yeah, it's true. I don't want to necessarily write that off with Sacramento. So I'll go to the first of the first of my three choices. And he is an exception to a couple rules, which is why I want to do him first, and that's Julius Randle. I mean, Julius Randle is an unrestricted free agent 
season, assuming he declines his player option. But there is so much variability for me with him because super talented guy and is in an opportunity to show what he can do in New Orleans. Also, New Orleans has all this volatility because they could create some cap space. They could also just retain the guys they have. And I could see him just somebody falling in love with, oh my God, this guy's a matchup nightmare. You know, he's he's better defensively than he gets that he gets credit for. He's not great, but he can he's better there. And that there aren't that many centers who aren't elite who can be a, a player dominant enough that opponents have to game plan for them. And so that gives him a selling point that a lot of these other centers do not have. And he's young enough. He's young like these restricted free agents, but he's not a restricted free agent. So teams can negotiate with him right away. They don't have to play the game of are they going to match or are they not? Yeah, and so many variables here. I mean, one is just his own performance, obviously. He's coming off the bench this year. He came off the bench a fair amount with the Lakers. So is he just going to get that patina of being a bench guy or are teams going to look at him as a starter? I think if they get into the playoffs and they do some damage in the first round and he goes up against a team that switches you know let's say they play the rockets or something and he just bludgeons them on switches that could really be a great showcase for him another variable as well is that new orleans can't really pay him right i mean they can only pay him 120 percent of what he was making this year which is the mid-level so you know, he'd be making a little over 10 million next year in the first year of any contract that he signed but new orleans has a lot of volatility if they if end up trading ad that probably won't happen early enough you know maybe they would agree on a trade around the draft but not be able to execute it until july and then maybe they would have the cap space to offer randall more than that amount and bring him back potentially uh to start for them if they move on from uh, ad and you would guess that if they do move on from ad they'll do the oh hey no we're still actually going to try and compete and then you know they'll win 30 games and realize that they are going to have to rebuild uh but you know we'll see what happens obviously i mean new orleans the idea that ad wouldn't leave was looking great when they were four and oh now they've lost five straight so you know you never know where that's going to end up and then obviously there's his own performance as well though he is situated pretty well on this team to play well with the spacing that they have the other threats around him if he gets enough opportunity so yeah he he was on my list as well i'm going to break out someone who is a little less well-known, although listeners to this podcast know him well. That's uh, Maxi Kleba. He, to me, may not get $10 million, in part because he's a restricted free agent. He'll be arenas limited, in fact. So him getting $10 million seems very unlikely. But considering he's making the minimum, I, I've made an exception here. He's, you know, he can play the four or the five, make shots, switch, block shots, even can attack off a closeout in a straight line, finish around the rim. And really, you know, he's not necessarily absolutely elite at any of those things. But that level of versatility and lack of weakness weaknesses i think is huge and he is someone that i absolutely would be targeting uh his cap hold will be very small uh he probably won't make the starter criteria this year so you know he's gonna his qualifying offer will be two hundred thousand dollars more than the minimum most likely so dallas who once has a ton of cap space if barnes opts out and even if he doesn't they'll be at like 50 million could just kind of re-sign him and bring him back it would make sense for them to do that especially because they don't have another center under contract for next year right now we'll see where they want to send their money but you know Kleba to me he could play well enough that I would feel fine going into him next year as the starting center uh, and especially with his small cap hole then you can use that space you know you, you they still would have Dwight Powell as well have that be your center rotation and then use that space elsewhere but if he doesn't play that well or they just don't see him as a center or they still think he's a backup or whatever then you know maybe he's not going to be the main guy in their plan so if he can play well enough that they come to an agreement with him early and say hey we really would love to use your small cap hold so let's agree on this we'll do all of our other free agent stuff and then we'll sign you to eight million a year or uh 10 million a year that would be fantastic for him uh i just hope he gets uh, enough of an opportunity uh and dirt coming back uh probably isn't great for him you know he may not play as much then uh, and deandre jordan you know there's talk that he could come back too but it's, so much depends too i mean i think the better the mavs play this season as a team it's almost worse for him in some ways because then they're more likely to just bring back jordan which would obviously not be good for him kleba is a really inspiring pick as a point of Yay! reference he will turn 27 he will turn 27 during this season so a, a guy we talked about this actually in this most recent stitcher premium podcast about rules that we would change and those players older restrictions 
restricted free agents, having to deal with that process is really unfair. Yeah. I vehemently disagree with that. We talked about this with Taya Dosich a lot last year, but they're not fixing it right now. So it doesn't really matter. I didn't have Cleve on my list, but that's a, a really good choice. I am happy you, you had him in this discussion. My next one is Terry Rozier. And Rozier makes this list because of the threshold that exists for point guards. Because if you want, because Boston, you know, they're, they're, they might be less willing to, to match on him or whatever, depending on what happens with Kyrie. Like if Kyrie has a really good season, stays healthy and then resigns, then you don't maybe need to use as many resources on Terry Rozier. But as a restricted free agent, as a potential starter restricted free agent, the idea is often, and I mean, Chandler Parsons is a good example of this. Jeremy Lin is a good example of this. You need to be willing to bid enough that you're confident that the other team will at least make a really hard, have a really hard decision to make. And because otherwise it's just kind of, you know, you're kind of wasting your cap space for a while, all that kind of stuff. Because Rozier on the high end is way more than any exception. That's a, he's a cap space guy straight out. Maybe a sign and trade if the situation presents itself. And if he doesn't meet that threshold, it gets a lot harder for him to get his money because then, you know, maybe you're talking about teams for the mid-level. Maybe you're talking equivalent mid-level money or a little bit more than that. And, you know, Phoenix spending the money that they did by extending Devin Booker and all that, that took out one team that made a lot of sense. They could still do it by sign and trade, but that gets a little bit weird. And so I think there's a lot of volatility with him. I originally didn't have him on the list. What was that? Oh, that was my phone going off. Um, but then the other, but then I realized that there is more downside risk for him. So I wanted to include him in my three. He's not as, his risks aren't as severe as everybody else, but they are still there. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, we've said before the possibility that his star will have peaked in terms of league-wide value during last year's playoffs. And I think he has not had the greatest start to the season. I think he's been pressing to put up numbers to some degree. He's not going to be closing games for Boston in all likelihood. You know, that's been Marcus Smart or Marcus Morris when they don't go to their five starters he's probably you know third in line among their bench guys to close games because they got Kyrie already what do they need him out there for um and you know maybe there's some hope for him that Kyrie would miss some time and then he could get back to playing starting point guard with them but it seems like Kyrie is doing okay so far here so maybe that's a less likely and I mean I think he really the biggest thing that's a variable for him too is a potential trade but it seems like Boston really wants to hold on to him so that's you know when he gets traded that's when you know your gold is a restricted free agent generally at least if the other team's given up enough to sign you because now they've invested and they've got these sunk costs and they're going to pay you they that they obviously made the decision with that in mind that they're gonna have to pay um last one on my list here and then we can move to some of the other categories kelly Oubre, another guy who interesting he's especially because the wizards like can't really pay him unless they make some moves you know it just doesn't make sense for them to invest eight figures in him when you have Otto porter in theory at his position they're taxed out they're not that good you know so a lot of it too depends on how well they play he's another guy where in some ways it might even be better if they don't play as well because then maybe they move porter and try to sign him as a cheaper replacement i mean now it would be nice if he could get into the starting lineup play with porter you know they make it to the second round you know that that would probably be the best option but that's looking pretty unlikely so or it might be better too if they're playing poorly that he could even be a part of a trade to a team uh, that can afford to pay him his offense is looking better but he's been pretty thirsty he's been dogged by some rumors that he's maybe playing a little bit selfishly Uh, liam talked a lot about how his defense uh, has not looked good so far in the early season on yesterday's show but i mean he's certainly someone who deserves credit for making incremental gains in his skill level every year and has a ton of defensive potential with that 7-2 wingspan and pretty quick feed he's probably better actually on smaller players out on the floor because uh, he hasn't really gotten a ton stronger but you know he's someone who if the line with guys on the wing who are not like big ball handlers is so thin really between you know you got to hit your threes and you got to defend and those are two things which can be inconsistent and are really hard to evaluate and you know if you go from hitting 35 percent of your shots to 30 it's like now you're not a starting level of player if you hit 37 percent, now it's like you're really good and it's just it's based on a, there's a lot of variability there so if he can continue to hit shots uh if the wizards can turn around to some degree 
you know he can they can play better when he's on the floor uh you know he still has a, as a relatively young player a lot of upside to be a starting level of guy but you know if he can start to show that he's close to that level and could maybe take another step forward as opposed to just you know kind of being a bench guy uh he could make himself a lot of money here my top choice and i i, I didn't always pick a pick a single one but my top choice in this bracket is d'angelo russell and d'angelo russell is the top of this list not necessarily because of how i feel about him because i i mean he certainly can change my opinion but i feel it it's that i estimate that there is a lot of volatility in terms of how other general managers feel about him and also the massive uncertainty in brooklyn because they have some cap space they could have a lot more if they withdraw his qualifying offer and also he's a guy with a massive massive line between the size of his qualifying offer and his cap hold so theoretically there's there's some situations there that could be of importance and russell is more volatile to me than terry rozier just because he's proven it less and i mean he hasn't yeah. gotten the opportunity to do that in the playoffs also he is probably not the best point guard on his own team right now and that a challenge maybe Kenny Atkinson decides I want to go with Spencer Dinwiddie more I think he's a better it gives us a better chance to win and especially if Brooklyn is thinking we want to use our cap space and all that I mean Dinwiddie at the minimum at a minimum cap holder close to it is going to be a lot more pliable th- that they can use than D'Angelo Russell where you basically have to choose are we going to have D'Angelo Russell or are we not so I could see him making you know backup money I could see him making solid starter money if he has a good year and players with high draft pedigree often get a lot more latitude especially over the first three years of their contract because then somebody goes oh well this is why he was drafted so high this is why he's a talented player and so i could see that and there are teams that are looking for point guard help so i think he's the most volatile but we can move well here to I, the I, I wanted next... to react to that just for a second sure uh he did not make my list because i just i don't see him being that volatile because i just don't see the path to him really improving that much yeah and also because there are just so many other options on the point guard market of really any flavor you know rosier is a restricted free agent is probably ahead of him you know dinwiddie is a, a younger guy is kind of ahead of him. now he's a little bit younger than some of those guys uh and then also you just have some older guys too uh, who are in the mix uh, and just a lot on the point guard market and so i just i don't see him playing well enough to make a team say i'm gonna really invest in you at starter money over a three or four year contract i mean i see it being you know more of a make good maybe on a bad team maybe he gets brought back to the nets at not that much money you know kind of more along the lines of like like i don't see him making more than like you know 12 million a year on a shorter term deal i think it'd be really hard for him to break out of that box but yeah i mean maybe some team will see a lot in him uh but i'm just not sure about that especially with his defensive issues his trouble getting to the rim i mean it's there's we've been waiting for a ton of a development for him and then there's also always the issue that he could have some health problems um but did you want to transition or you want to react to that no i'm fine with that i just think that you and i feel differently yeah. about this than well, james and, do. yeah it's me it's me predicting the market yeah and you maybe that's right i mean i i probably am guilty of not seeing things through the way gms would see it but but with him i'm just you know especially because of like some of the character stuff with him too i think that's like a way for gms to kind of be lower on him um Let's talk about some of the guys in the middle of their career. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins, the obvious one. I assume he was like number one on your list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, DeMarcus Cousins, I mean unbelievably talented player i mean he's flawed we've talked about his flaws a lot in the history of dunked on but i mean we just achilles injuries are one of the few that still absolutely scare not only us but everybody and so how he looks also how he fits in on a very successful team you know is he does he buy in defensively does he actually get back in transition can he handle a more variable workload i I think teams are going to learn a lot about cousins this year physically is the most important part but then how how he fits in and center is such a stocked position that there is a lot more volatility and also teams i i'm guessing my instinct is that teams are going to be less willing to really spend on centers i mean we saw granted there was different kind of leverage in the use of nurkic case and then there was the weird thing about nurkic and demarcus Cousins sharing an agent but i think we're getting we're getting a better sense that teams they have to be bowled over to pay for a center and demarcus cousins absolutely has the talent to do that but he might not yeah, it's interesting. I was trying to just think of like what he would have to do 
I mean, I don't see any way he could do enough to just get a max contract. I mean, maybe like it would probably take yeah, that would be really rich. it would probably take an injury for one of the Warriors main players where they really started to play him, you know, more than 25 minutes a game and really go through him a, a ton. I mean, because really like, you know, he's probably going to suck on defense coming back from the injury, but that, you know, that's not where his bread was buttered. But I just I don't think he's going to be able to like put up enough points over a large enough period of time and, you know, be efficient with it. Like he's just not going to quite have that opportunity i don't think and so now you could see a team going with okay we'll pay you you know 20 million you know kind of more of a jabari parker type of contract you know 20 25 million for a year or two and you know we'll see if we can bring you back maybe i think that would be an interesting structure of hey you know what maybe we can decline the team option and bring you back for a longer term deal if it looks like you're really killing it here uh in your first year with us but it, at 27, I just it's hard for me to see how a team is going to go, hey, four years, big money, based on what he can show in the second half of this year. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe he'll just have more of a chance, or there'll be games when guys sit out, or there'll be an injury. And But, you know, I mean, the, at his peak last year, he was, you know, one of the highest usage big men that we've ever seen uh and i don't know how he can prove that he's back to where he was in new orleans with this group uh, around him and then of course you know there's the fact that he'll be as coming back from the achilles and you know first year after the achilles is probably not going to look amazing anyway so uh and that he just could never may just never be the same guy uh so you know there is a lot of volatility because you know i mean maybe he just doesn't even get starter money for next year although i'd have to imagine someone would do that just to take a chance on him getting better for the production that you could get but i'm not actually sure that the upside is that high for him after this year i mean i think it really would take a full very good year in more of a featured role next year so i, I could very easily see him on another short-term deal after this season and like you said i could see that decision becoming a mistake if he because you, you're reaching the point where we kind of know what he is and also remember a lot more teams have cap space this year than will next year because teams are going to spend recklessly in 2019 which means that there will well, not be as much money left in 2020. 2020 there's a lot of guys coming off the books i think there's actually there's going to be a fair amount of money in 2020 although we should we should we'll probably see. uh look at that more rigorously at, at some point here yeah um, i i've looked at it a little bit already but not a ton uh so the first guy that i want to talk about in this group other than demarcus who's an obvious pick for it and the top of the list is harrison barnes barnes has a higher floor than a lot of these guys because he has a lucrative player option worth 25.1 million that if the market just isn't there he can just pick up and i expect that that is more money than he will get theoretically as the starting salary on the open market should he opt out but getting four years or however long it is is there's definitely value that the security of it and barnes will turn 27 before free agency the mavericks will probably be eliminated long before then but the it's during may and barnes it's just kind of figuring out what he is like where where does he place in on a good team where does he place in on a bad team and the volatility that also comes with presumably starting alongside two other ball dominant guys in Luka Doncic and Dennis Smith. So he could look really good in that role. I mean, he's done it before, or he could you could just be sitting there going well why is he so much better why why should we pay him so much more money than all of these other guys that are kind of fringy and you know would definitely help you win but aren't going to be the centerpiece so i think there's a lot of volatility with him even if the player option changes the dynamics for him compared to some of these other guys yeah tim cato when we did the mavs preview said his belief that uh and kind of the expectation that he's going to just opt into that and you know, he's not having that great of a start to the year. I think just generally the focus is going to be on Doncic and Smith there. So I'm not sure that he's going to be able to play well enough to get uh, an opt out. And maybe he'll be shooting uh, for 2020 instead. That seems more likely these days that he's going to opt in to me. Although there could also be the, hey, opt out and we'll sign you to something uh, longer, longer term. Um, couple of wings I wanted to focus on here. Alfaruq Aminu is one. He will be 28 after this season. And like so many, his value waxes and wanes with how he shot the ball. He's had really valuable seasons when he shot the ball well, less valuable seasons when he hasn't. You know, he's still not a natural shooter. It doesn't seem like he's going to take the step to be, all right, this guy's really a knockdown guy. We can't leave him anymore. But he's very valuable defensively. And so the question is, you know, is the team going to invest in him at starter money using their cap space or is he going to fall more into the exception type of range thinking of him more as like kind of a combo forward off the bench sort of player and then like with so many of these guys 
it's really the years as well right is it going to be two years for him i would feel totally good about paying you know 15 million a year for two years for him four years eh you know not great i mean and we'll see how he shoots the ball this year and how he plays too but you know as of right now uh and then james ennis is another one obviously i mean he's been you know was available for a one plus one at the minimum for a reason but you know i still think that he can be outstanding in this rocket system and you know if if the rockets get to where they want to be he's going to be playing big big minutes uh, for this team barring you know perhaps a a jimmy butler trade but he's really their only three and d type of guy on the wing right now you know he's gonna he's gonna have 35 minutes a game in the playoffs for a very good team and if he can perform at a solid level you know he could be a guy who's gonna be kind of more in the 10 million dollar a year range if he can play that well uh and Ennis at age 29 you know this is his one chance really to get a a decent contract even if he can get up to eight figures for a couple of years would be so massive for his career earnings I like both those picks. My two have a couple things in common. They're both listed at 6'10". They're both going to turn 28 before their next season starts. And that's about all they have in common because it's Derek Favors and Nikola Mirotic. And those two guys kind of, they define different elements of the positional revolution that's going on. Favors is just, what is he? You know, is he a center? Is he a a four? What does Utah do? And then Mirotic is in the middle of this uncertainty with New Orleans. And also just how much do teams value what he does? If he has a really strong year, I could imagine him getting eight. A ton of money and if he has a shaky year then maybe somebody brings him in at a reasonable sum and all that so i just think those guys have more they have more downside and upside than a lot of these guys that's why i included them favors i would say doesn't have any upside because if he plays really well utah is just going to bring him back next year on that non-guarantee uh so yeah they might they might go in a different direction though, uh, i mean maybe what they're looking for yeah it seems like there are so many other teams that are really trying to use cast face utah maybe an underrated one there uh but yeah we'll see i mean he, he is due to make 16 point nine million next year uh, so i mean that that is a very interesting number uh but you would imagine if utah is going to cut him off of that and also his guarantee date is a little bit later as well that could hurt him his guarantee date is uh july 6th so if he doesn't play well enough to be worth that on a one-year deal you know you imagine that he's going to kind of be out in the wilderness like not even necessarily getting starting center money so i think a lot a lot of it is just uh does he play well enough for utah to pick that up or not because i think he's looking kind of as more of a backup if they don't unless they just have some other amazing free agent that they're going to bring in but that has not been the mo for the jazz unless there's somebody else you want to mention we can move on to the vets and i don't think we need to spend as much time on them because they're pretty self-evident and so i want to start with deandre jordan with him there's a lot of volatility in terms of years and then there's also some in terms of salary per, per year and as a point of reference deandre turns 31 during next offseason so that that's around when things start getting sticky for centers dallas we don't know what they're going to be and a lot of the other teams so i think there's a lot of volatility with him yeah i think this is kind of the what you want to do as a veteran in this situation if you're and even some guys in their late 20s fall in this category but certainly once you turn 30 is you have to play so well that you can get teams to just pay you on a longer term deal knowing that the end of that deal is probably going to be a bad contract but it's just so worth it to get you at the start of it that you you uh can force to do danny green is certainly in that category depending on where the raptors end up i mean if they and he's been awesome so far to start the season he'll be 32 next offseason season you know if the raps make it to the nba finals if Kawhi comes back i mean that's the other thing too like if Kawhi doesn't come back then they probably don't bring back green as well right they're just going with more of a, a youth movement if Kawhi comes back then they won't have a way to replace green and, and they could pay him a, a fair amount of money but you know if he has a good year regardless he, he should be in demand uh i second what you said about deandre jordan thaddeus young is another interesting one opted into about 13 million this season uh, he will be 31 still a very good defensive player his offense is a little dicey so can he convince somebody that he is a, a starter and deserves that type of money or is he going to be down in, in the exception kind of range um yeah i like thaddeus young and m- another one of mine is similar which is paul Millsap. Millsap is older he turns 34 during this season and he has that team option for next year which i expect denver to decline whether they bring him back or not but i mean depending on what kind of season denver has their willingness to pay paul Millsap or somebody else to fill paul Millsap's role will be compelling and then the last guy i want to mention is on the same team and that is isaiah thomas we just don't know what he is like if isaiah thomas can he, I, I didn't have him in like the front of this line just because i don't know that a team is going to give him a lot of money even if he's awesome because of all the risk involved but i mean within the point guard market he is incredibly volatile because he 
he's played at an incredible level before, but he just took the minimum and isn't back yet probably for at least another month. Yeah, I didn't include him just because I fear that his destiny is is written uh, as just someone who's going to be a bench guy, you know, make make a few million a year type of thing, especially with his health issues, with his volatility in the locker room, the fact he's going to be 30, how small he is. I mean, it's just, it, it really pains me given the levels that he reached only two years ago that, you know, the most he's ever going to have made in his career in a season is like seven million, deserved to make a lot more than that. And he really just, you know, got very, very unlucky uh, with how things turned out. Um, all all right, anything we got to talk about before we go here? No, I think we're good. All right, we'll uh, be back with a gamer on Tuesday night. Looking forward to that. Talk to you all then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 